Good morning, everybody. We want to get going. It's good to see everybody this morning. The temperature has risen a little bit. That was nice to uh, go out today and it wasn't quite so cold, but we want to pray, invite the Holy Spirit, and then we will begin with worship. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your love. Lord God, we pray this morning that you would come into our midst as we worship you, Lord. We know that there are many who come with burdens and challenges of life as they come in. And Lord, we desire that you would minister to our needs. Lord God, you are so faithful and we worship you. Come, Holy Spirit, we come. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you guys. Um, we're going to sing, like Dan said, a couple of songs this morning. Uh, first one is going to be called The Rising Sun, which I did see poking through the clouds earlier this morning, which was pleasant to see. Um, if you can stand, that's great. Uh, we'll get started in singing together. And the worship lyrics will be up on the uh, screen over here. start with the chorus first. Our great Redeemer, glorious Savior, your name is higher than the rising sun. Light of the morning, you shine forever. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Your name is higher than the rising sun. So praise Him, all you sinners. Praise Him, all you sinners. Sing, oh, sing, you weary. Praise Him, all you children of God. We lift high. We lift high His glory, shown throughout our stories. We praise Him as the children of God. A great Redeemer. Our great Redeemer, glorious Savior, your name is higher than the rising sun. Light of the morning, you shine forever. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Praise his name forever. Praise his name forever. Sing it loud and clear now. Praise him, all you children of God. A great redeemer. A great redeemer. 
glorious Savior, your name is higher than the rising sun. Light of the morning, you shine forever. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Your name is higher than the rising sun. All right, next we're going to sing All Who Are Thirsty. All who are thirsty All who are weak Come to the fountain Dip your heart in the stream of life The pain and the sorrow be washed away in the ways of his mercy as deep cries out to deep we sing come Lord Jesus Come, Lord Jesus, come. All who are thirsty. All who are thirsty. And all who are weak. Come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the streams of life let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy as deep cries out too deep we sing come Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. Sing that again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Sing as deep cries out. As deep cries out to deep. As deep cries out to deep. As deep cries out to deep. We sing, come. 
Jesus come come Lord Jesus come Holy Spirit and Holy Falling on my knees in worship. Falling on my knees in worship. Giving all I am to seek your face. Lord, all I am is yours. My whole life. My whole life I place in your hands. God of mercy, humble I bow down. In your presence at your throne. And I call, you answer. And you came to my rescue and I want to be where you are. Think falling on my knees. Falling on my knees in worship. Giving all I am to seek your face. Lord, all I am is yours. My whole life. In my whole life, I place in your hands. God of mercy, humble I bow down. In your presence at your throne. And I call. And I call, you answer, and you came to my rescue, and I want to be where you are. I call, and I call, you answer. And you came to my rescue, and I want to be where you are. In my life, in my life, be lifted high in our world. 
be lifted high our love be lifted high sing that again in my life be lifted high in our world be lifted high in our love be lifted high and I call you answer and you came to my rescue and I wanna be where you are let's just sing that one more time this morning I call you answer, and you came to my rescue, and I want to be where you are. Amen. God, where could we ever go to escape your love? You're constantly and continually always with us, Lord. Thank you that when we call, you are faithful and true. Be with us this morning, Father. I pray that you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're uh, 10 or 11-ish and under, you can head downstairs. And if you're older than that, um, you can't. Or unless you need to go to the bathroom or something. morning good morning oh yeah it's good to see everyone's smiling faces just a couple announcements and then we're gonna have Caleb Dodds come up to share a little bit this week I believe 100% or 99 there's young adults Monday that's right if you're a young adult they'd love to see you at six six good job Dan six Youth group at 6.30 on Tuesday, Wednesday prayer. Uh, we meet at 6.30 as well. You're more than welcome to join us. We had a breakout crowd last week, Wednesday night, of nine people. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that was great. Praying for these things right here. If you don't have one, I encourage you. They're on the back table. Just bookmarks that you can pray through. Focus prayers for our fellowship here at Northgate. If you like to walk and pray, we do that on Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock. We'd love to see you. If you have time or in the afternoon, there's intercessory prayer. If you need prayer for anything, I am here. Doug is usually here this week. He'll be in California. But um, yeah, we would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you this week. I'm here from 2 to 3 30. So this Sunday is kind of a little different. It's going to be kind of, we're trying to inform you. I don't think we've done a great job 
So excuse us for that in terms of who we support in terms of missions. Now, we find it really important, and just so you know, any money we receive, we actually tithe as anyone else as a church. We tithe to foreign missions or local missions outreach. So 10% of all the income that we get, we put out the door. We do ministry, but for others who are doing ministry. So locally, some of the things that we have done, we did a summer basket outreach uh, that Sharon Wood headed up. And we did a Christmas basket outreach. We've done radio ads that would come out of that. We've done Hope for Lanark County, where we did billboards and shared the gospel. That's the local flavor. But we wanted to hand out as well to you this sheet, which tells you the foreign missionaries that we support in terms of financially, who we look to bless and support. And at the top of that, and Caleb's going to share, that's Bible Basics International, which we made a commitment to this year to support the ministry in Honduras. And we're excited about that, going to hear about that, how we can help with that. And then there's four underneath that, and they were kind of their prayer cards. Sorry, it didn't turn out as well as we wanted, but it gives you the idea with written on the back, a little information about them or how you can pray for them. But if you don't see that, we find it um, really important, and that's why Bible Basics International, that God is showing me, we want to support missionally who is involved in something internationally from our fellowship. So hence uh, Caleb and the Dodds family in Honduras. And then Nasrat and Sylvia, who's there, and Nasrat's here. They've been here for three years, but maybe you didn't even know that they were missionaries. And Nasrat still does that online and has a huge ministry to Muslims in the Middle East. And if you heard the numbers, it would be staggering, but it's all through the internet. And that's written there. But these missionaries and missions need our support. Amen. They need our prayer support. And on that list as well, Verms has been here. Some of you wouldn't know him, but Verms is from the Philippines, but serves in YWAM. And he has been all over the world. And he knows missionaries. And sometimes we will just send him some financial support and say, you know the missionaries in Africa, Japan, Asia. When I say Verms gets around, I mean Verms gets around. Um, not so much in COVID, but he's get back. But I think one year before COVID, Verms told me in his home apartment, he had spent 20 nights of the whole year. The rest of the time, he was flying and ministering in other countries, supporting missionaries. So we have him there. Uh, and then Ken Meyer, who was here a couple years ago from Austria, his wife. And Ken works with refugees uh, in a program called the Oasis, which looks to share the gospel when they come into Vienna from other countries. They're right by the refugee camp. They come in. They're able to talk to them, these people who need hope and share about Jesus. So that's really exciting. And Ken also took a new position this year as the pastor of a church um, in Vienna as well. So he's going to be busy. And then on the right, a couple years ago, the Sparrow family, specifically Mike, brought a missionary from Europe going into Northern Europe and some of the countries no one gets to. 
and his name is David. So all of these we support on financially, some more than others. But if you want more of an update of what they're doing, I do have their prayer letters and I printed out about 10 copies of each. Maybe God will stir in your heart to, to be interested in, in one of these. I can send digital copies out as well for those who would like more digital sharp pictures. But the idea is we really believe it's important for our own health to think about others and this world is a really big place. And there are a lot of people who need Jesus. And so often we can get so myopic and think only of ourselves and it really isn't healthy, right? So as we look out and we see, and today as we hear about Honduras and hear about what it means to be missional, I pray that you will be encouraged to think of these who really are on the front lines of ministry in another country. And you know, we're going through a lot of stuff, and I know the world is, but for some of these people, that's, that's not even their reality of what they're dealing with. In dealing with people who are broken and hurting and trying to minister to them. And it's really interesting on our prayer card. I don't know if any of you have been praying through this, but I believe I don't have my glasses on. But in our leadership meeting, it came number seven that was put on our heart that God would direct us to a specific country to invest in for missions. You see, I really believe it's been said that the light that shines brightest at home shines the farthest. And as we grow, we want to invest even more specifically in a country. And then I started talking to Caleb. And seeing the opportunities, we might have an even a greater way to team with this ministry in Honduras. And so maybe God's answering our prayer already. And I find that super exciting and how financially, but I know Caleb's going to talk about the possibility over the course of this year or the next year, how we actually, some of us, can go and have an impact and see something other than our world. Amen? I find it exciting. Obviously, it's a little bit of a different Sunday, but one I think that's very, very necessary. Amen? So, Caleb, why don't you come on up and share with us. I'll just pray for Caleb. Lord, bless your word. Thank you for what you're doing all over the world. We pray, Lord Jesus, for Verms today, that you would give him strength and endurance. We pray for Ken and Miki that you'll bless them. Church in Vienna, the ministry to refugees. Pray for David and his work and his family going where the gospel really in a lot of ways hasn't been given. And Lord Jesus, we see a need, often dangerous situations for him. So we pray your protection upon him. We pray for Nasarat, Sylvia and their ministry. Nasrat ministering still, helping and leading that massive organization that is getting your goodness, your word, your truth, your gospel out to Muslims in the Middle East. Pray for Sylvia too as she's translating the Bible. Lord, into the, the language that people need to hear it. We pray that you'll bless their ministry and we pray that you'll guide and lead them as they wait for the next step in terms of 
how best to do what you've called them to do. And I do pray, God, that you would provide these green cards that they've been waiting for, these permanent resident cards, Lord Jesus. We put that in your hands and we ask for your favor. And Lord, this ministry in Honduras, we just want to see people grow, come to know you, and people to be changed. And Lord, we do pray for our own community. So many need you. There's so much brokenness. Would you use us? Lord, I've heard it said we're either a missionary or a mission field. There's no in-between. We're either living for you, believing in you, sharing you, <laughs> or we're not. So, Lord, would you give us love for people around us? Again, just so much pain. You came to heal the brokenhearted. And, Lord, we can live with a heart for others here and now. It's so easy to get angry at a fallen world. But Lord, that's not how you lived. You went to those who hated you. You went to the broken who didn't know you. You went to those who are living in ignorance under the power of evil and you loved them and you spoke truth. And Lord, may we do that where we are with the gifts that you've given us for your glory. Let's pray you bless Caleb now. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Good morning. I've spoken a couple times, but for some reason I'm more nervous this morning. I'm not quite sure why. But, uh, <laughs> we'll get through it. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually super excited to be up here today to talk about missions. This is something I'm passionate about, and I, I'm hoping I can share a bit of that passion with uh, with, with Northgate. Um, I'd be curious if I asked everyone here, you know, what comes to mind when I say the word missionary? Um, I says maybe for some it's sort of a blank slate, haven't thought too much about it. I suspect for some it's someone living in a mud hut somewhere in Africa or somewhere similar. Um, maybe it's a picture of some missionary family standing sort of awkwardly up in front of the church telling about what they did for the last uh, four years and, and asking for support. Um, and I can tell you from chatting with them, they feel even more awkward a lot of the time than they, they look. Uh, they don't really want to be doing that. Um, but you know, I, I don't know what, what that is, but I want to talk just a little bit about, well, first, why missions? What is missions? And then talk a bit about the, the opportunity that I think we have in Honduras. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think for a lot of us, even when we sit here and we hear, you know, if you've been through a mission Sunday or mission conference or listen to a missionary, we often think, you know, that's great. It's for someone else. You know, I am not going over there. Uh, I'm just not, I'm not called to that. Um, we're glad, it's, yeah, we're glad it's there. We're glad other people are going, but, but it's not for us. But I want to challenge us, really, to think about being involved in missions. And I'll get into that. I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean going. But I think all of us have a role, and we have a role as a church and as the body of Christ to, to be involved in missions. Acts uh, 1.8, and this is Jesus 
talking to the apostles sometime between his resurrection and before he goes back to heaven says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have, a we have the power, we have the opportunity and the power through the Holy Spirit to, to witness to, to others. And, and I kind of break that up into three, I don't know, in my mind anyways, three opportunities that we have. And I think all of them, we should be involved in all of them. The first is we just have an opportunity as, as Christians living in the world to witness to our neighbors around us. That's, you know, we all have that just as we live our, our life. We have an opportunity to reach out to our community. You know, often as a, as a local church or as a, the body of Christ in Lanark, we can do things in our community. And both of those sort of don't involve going anywhere. We can do it right where we are. But then we have the third opportunity, which is through missions, to reach out. And God's heart, obviously, is to the whole world, to reach out to the entire world. And I think all three of those should be part of our life as a Christian. It shouldn't be one or the other. It, it should be all three. And sort of as an aside, I'm going to sort of be talking about global missions, uh, Honduras today, but there's an argument to be made that there are mission fields in Canada that are probably less, have less Christian witness, specifically parts of Quebec and some of the indigenous communities that are probably have less Christian witness than some of the foreign countries that we send missionaries to. So while I'm focused on some foreign opportunities, that's not to say there's not other opportunities even within Canada that are um, there as well. So it's clear from Acts chapter 1-8 and other verses we're going to look at that from the beginning of, of Christianity that God's plan was to have the gospel go to the whole world. And he could have done that in any number of miraculous ways. You know, he could have delivered somehow the gospel to remote places without us traveling. But he chose to have initially the apostles and then really all of us have that opportunity, his body, to spread the word of God out to, to the world. That's the way he chose to do it. Some of last, Jesus' last words before he went back to heaven were what we know as a great commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. The, in early, in the early apostles and Acts went out as missionaries and were supported by the churches they were sent from. Uh, the church in Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas. Uh, Silas was sent out to join them. And there's also... A number of other references in Acts to missionaries being sent out. So mission outreach is really a key part of God's purpose and plan for, for us and, and for the church. God's chosen to use people who are willing to, to spread his word. Um, Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers out into his fields. You can keep going and going through, through you know, really the whole New Testament. In fact, you can go all the way back into the Old Testament and, and look how God spread his word and see that he did it through people. I think the, the challenge to go and spread his word is, is pretty clear. But where does that leave? Not everyone can go. I don't think God, you know, all of us will go for any numbers of reasons. We shouldn't feel guilty about that. So, so what about supporting those who do go? This is just a section from Philippians 4, I guess I'll start in verse um, 16. This is Paul talking. It says, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that, is that more to be credited to your account. 
I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, sorry, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. It says their gifts were a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then this jumped out at me because I don't know if I've ever noticed it before, but that the promise to supply all of our needs is actually in the context of, of giving and supporting missionaries, which is kind of a neat concept. So God, God promises to bless us. It's a fragrant sacrifice when we support those who, those who do go. So we're, summer, we're called to spread his word locally and around the world and, and, to, um, yeah, and to support those who, those who do. I just have a quote here, and I thought it was kind of neat, because it kind of lines up with sort of what I've seen as well, too. Uh, this is from an Australian archbishop. I don't know who, who he is, but the quote I thought really reflected what I've seen, so I just want to read it. It says, I do not believe any local congregation, no matter what its situation, can afford to deprive itself of the encouragement and nourishment that comes by sending missionaries and reading about missionaries beyond their church walls. Many churches today are totally lacking in a spiritual vitality that could be theirs, they don't know the joy of being part of the family business. God the Father, through Christ, makes us his sons and daughters. And then, wonder of wonders, calls us to join him in fulfillment of history's greatest movement. I have seen church after church radically adopt God's heart for the nations by embracing world missions. And as a result, be nourished and encouraged by God in ways they had not anticipated. Missions brings life to the nations. Missions brings life to the church. And, and, and I think that is really, really true. God uses missions to take his word out to the world. But because it's part of his heart, when we get behind that, as a church, as individuals, it also changes us. It, it, it's, it, it's a blessing, really, to us. So I would encourage us from that perspective to, to get involved. So what does that mean? What does it mean here at Northgate to, to get involved in, in missions? And I mentioned two ways. We can really, there's two ways. We can go or we can support. So I just want to chat, chat a little bit about what it means to go, to support, and then I'll chat a bit about uh, the, the opportunity in Honduras. I mean, a missionary, I had the opportunity to be a missionary kid for three years. I was overseas. And I remember someone asked my dad, you know, what does a missionary do? What do you do over there? Um, and I kind of always have liked his response. He said, a missionary is simply living for Christ in another place. And that's really what it is. It's just doing what we do here in many respects, but somewhere else where they don't naturally have that, that witness. So there's a lot of ways we can do this. There's still the tradition, what I'll call the, you know, traditional missions. There's going somewhere that is remote, where the gospel's not there, you know, living in that mud hut, essentially, and serving the people there. That's still a very, you know, valid form of going and there's still people that in the world that need that but missions is changing a lot too i mean there is a huge opportunity that doesn't look like that majority of the people in the world now live in cities not in mud huts and they they need the gospel as well too so there's opportunity to use almost any talent or gift you have on the mission field you know you, you can talk to nazrat what he's doing you know the online mission um, David, who I had an opportunity to meet, the missionary who's working over in, in Asia and Europe, um, he's looking for businessmen, really, is people who, who, can, who can run a business. 
That's, that's his opportunity to take people in and do, do missions where he's working at. There, there's opportunities to use almost any skill you've got. Teaching, um, you know, whatever talent or vocation you have as a tent maker somewhere else. Mechanics, administrators, web designers, anything. Right? You can use that on the mission field. And in a lot of cases, it involves going. Sometimes that's just doing it from, from here, too. So don't only think of it as this, um, you know, the going and living in the mud hut kind of thing. There's opportunities to use what you have. And it doesn't necessarily have to be being called for your entire life, right? It's not, that's not necessary. That, that's great. Some people are and, and go over and spend their whole life somewhere else. That's, that's wonderful. But you can do this for a while, right? And I would particularly challenge people who are younger, coming out of school, you've got less commitments at that point, and also people who are retired. Both of those are opportunities to go on the mission field for part-time in ways that you might not be able to when you've got a, a family. It's hard to pick up and sort of leave when you've got a younger kids here or kids to look after. But both of those are kind of end bookends on your, you know, your your life in some respects that, that are opportunities when you might not have the same level of commitment and you could give on missions in a way that you might not be able to at other times in your life and go somewhere, do something. And, you know, I'm going to talk again about the mission I'm involved with, but there's piles of missions out there. Um, I know there's, you know, Nazrat's involved, James has been involved in missions. I have lots of contacts around in, in variety of missions. There's some that uh, we're supporting here at Northgate. If, if that even twigs, you know, you'd say, ah, be, it might be something I'm interested in, chat with someone because there are piles. You know, there's, the workers are few compared to the opportunities out there. Um, and then short-term missions. You know, there's good and bad about short-term missions and there's some great um, videos a couple comedians have done if you want to look online on, you know, the, the, the typical youth short-term mission and what that looks like that ends up, you know, rather vacation-like and probably, uh, you know, not necessarily always that useful. But there, there are, there's great opportunities and we've, I'll talk a little bit, we've taken a couple of trips over. Um, there are amazing opportunities on short-term mission trips to, to go and just for a week uh, be used by, by God. Um, and you don't have to be, this isn't, you don't have to feel called. God, you know, we, we went through the verses. God has said this is part of his desire. Right? It's, it's not something you have to feel some special calling to be a missionary. I would say all of us should be involved to some extent. It's just how. Um, and then there's supporting. So how can we support? I mean, prayer is probably the, the most obvious, and I don't want to minimize that. We've, you know, I think Northgate has a, Dan has encouraged us so much in prayer, and I'm not going to try and duplicate everything he said on prayer, but we can pray, and that's huge. God calls us to do it. It's effective, and the missionaries value that prayer. So I'll leave it at that. There's, you know, we can pray, and it's something all of us can do. Communication's another one. In, in our world, the missionaries, it's very, very easy for them to feel isolated. It's maybe better they can put stuff on Facebook or send out their letters, but they're kind of alone over where they are. And having people who will just reach out to them as friends and understand what's going on in their life and, you know, and then bring that back to the, the wider body to say, hey, this is something we can be praying for. That's something else that is, can be in a very effective ministry and, and part of supporting the, the mission 
and missionaries around the world. And then finance, yeah, they, they need to live. Um, you know, they, they need money coming in to, to support them. Um, and I'll say, you know, they need regular committed funding. Most of the missionaries I've met are incredibly faithful, and they're over there serving without often their full amount that they need to live, and they're trusting God to bring it in. But they're just, you can, you know, all of us know, right? If you don't have the, know the fundings coming in, where you're going to buy your groceries or do whatever for next week, that's stressful. Um, and so missionaries, you know, we can really help them by committing whatever amount it is to, to provide them on a regular basis. You know, commit that they know that something will be there next month. That, that's a big deal. And then there's, pro, you know, additional sort of project funding that we can fund. They have needs. You know, sometimes it's for mission opportunities. Sometimes they need a new car. Um, you know, most of the missionary cars that I've seen are not new. Um, and, you know, they, they have end of lives and they, they need new ones. Um, there, there's so many things like that. But, but so there's both kinds of opportunities to help. And sometimes, you know, we just want to help them out with their immediate need. But there is that opportunity to help them out full time too. So I just wanted to share that. That's missions. I want to encourage us as Northgate to get involved in however that is on individual level and as a church um, and the bigger than the church. I don't think it's Northgate. I, I you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the, the body of Christ in Lanark. And, you know, I think it's an opportunity that shouldn't be limited to a specific church. Uh, it, should, it should be bigger than that. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit now and talk a little bit about... Uh, well, what I'm in and our family is involved with, and now Northgate is supporting. I, and this is just, and to be, even be up here talking about this, is kind of a really neat answer to prayer for me. Um, I took on leadership of a very small mission, I don't know, a couple years ago, um, knowing that on my own, nothing, I, I just, I couldn't make it happen. It was a, needed a little bit of renewal, and I didn't feel I had the real time to put in to make that happen, but it seemed, God seemed to put in my heart to, to do it. And really, I've just prayed the last couple of years, not much has happened. We've done a little bit here and there. Um, until really in the last few months, there's been some really neat things have kind of come together, and I can see God sort of moving it in a direction. So that's super exciting, and part of that is uh, having the opportunity to be up here today. Um, I've been wanting to say, so, you know, kind of tell people about this for a while too, because I value your prayers, you know, as... as sort of trying to lead this, it's, um, I value your prayers with my local, my local church, my local body. I need that as well, too. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, I, prayers are, are necessary and, and helpful, and, and, you know, how that exactly works, I, I can't explain, but I, I really need that, so, and the ministry needs that, so uh, I would ask for that as part of it, but uh, James has recently, he's, we've got a number of ties into this church, James has taken on the treasurer role in the mission recently, so that's Awesome to have him. We've done a mission, a short-term mission trip last year where we, a youth, where my kids have all been down. Lauren Miller's been down a couple times now. Uh, the Hogan girls have been down. I don't think I'm missing anyone. The church, Mike and Don Sparrow came down with us last time. So there's a number of connections to, to the, the mission that, uh, that are here in the church. Um, and what's the vision? So what's called Bible Basics International Canada was the old name. We just have recently sort of trim that down to BBI missions just to make more sense and a little easier to say, but it doesn't really matter which one we use. Who we are, we're, it's all volunteer. We've got no staff. Um, our, our vision is to partner with missions 
other missions, probably mainly missionaries who are already out in the field, um, to support them in what they, they need. If someone came to us and said, we want to be a missionary with you, I don't know what we'd say. I might say, go find it. You know, there's better, there's already people doing that, you know, to, to take missionaries over. So our goal is really to support missionaries, local missions in, in, that are already there and, and help them grow, um, help them have support from, from Canada in, in whatever way they need. Um, and so I, I won't make this an appeal, but if, you, if you're interested in helping, you know, there's, there's probably got lots of opportunities, volunteer just, just within us to, to help communications, art, social media, whatever. If you got something, we'll probably make use of it if, you, if you're interested in helping us out. Um, so that's it for, for the organization. But what, what are, our focus and where we sort of ended up starting as our, because of some history the organization has, is in Honduras. And that's what I want to sort of finish talking about, the, the mission opportunities we have there. Um, you know, tying it back to Dan mentioned the specific country that we were praying for, I'm kind of hopeful that's, that's going to be this opportunity in Honduras, but we'll, we'll see where that, that goes. Um, we, we work there with, there is an organization um, that was, we had sort of historically a partnership, but now we've sort of formalized um, in Honduras. They have several missionary families, and I'll introduce them in a minute. But they, they have a couple main focuses. Their sort of chief focus is cha uh, training local pastors. So in the big cities in Honduras, the churches operate, you know, somewhat similarly to here. They're part of a denomination. They have enough people to raise funds internally to support a trained pastor. And they operate, you know, not much differently than, than Northgate. When you get up to the rural communities, Churches exist because someone felt an, a need to serve their community for the most part and said, I'm going to start a church and be a pastor. We're talking typically men, but not always. You often eighth grade education, that's about it. But they want to serve God and they feel their community needs a church and a pastor. Typical farming community, incomes are incredibly low. They can't even support, you know, building the church, support the pastor. They, might, they will give, they'll help, but on their own, they can't do it. And these often pastors have little to no biblical training and no resources, right? I mean, they can't even look here. I don't know how many commentaries I have at home sitting on my shelf. You know, it's endless. You can go online. They don't necessarily even have those capabilities. So they're, they're seeking to, to serve God with minimal resources. So the ministry down there is basically to take pastors or bring pastors in, and they go through a sort of a, it's an eight-step process spread over, I think, four times they get together, where they study hermeneutics, which is basically learning how to study the Bible. And their goal is to teach pastors to be able to study the Bible and end up with, out of that, not some weird idea, but what the, the meaning that God has in the passage so that they can then share that with their church and their community. So that's sort of the focus of the ministry down there. And, and so these pastors, I say, they, they're out in rural communities. They usually get them together, but they're coming. The way they do it now is they'll all show up at some church. They sleep on the floor. Um, they, you know, perhaps the local ladies will find some way of feeding them during this time. And then they go back after the weekend to, or the week actually, to their, to where they live. Typically, they have their own jobs as well, too, to support themselves because they don't have enough coming in to, up from the church. So they'll go back and, and so on. So that's one of the big the big opportunities. The missionaries there are also just serving as, as witnesses in their local communities. 
So they're starting, and some of them have their own church that they've started in a community because they felt there was an opportunity. They're very hands-on. You know, they're looking around at needs very practical to the people around them and saying, how can we help these people, you know, and, and through that develop relationships that let us witness. And that's, that's hands on the ground. During COVID, they did a lot of COVID relief as missionaries and not just the ones we were involved with, but as a, all the missionaries in Honduras. There was a, uh, about a year and a half ago, the hurricanes came through. They had two serious ones in a row um, that essentially covered a good chunk of Honduras in mud uh, for several months. Um, so they were heavily involved in, you know, just digging people's houses out at that point. It's whatever, you know, it's the day-to-day -day helping people go get groceries or, or whatever, right? So, so that's, that's, you know, a natural part of it. And then the, there's one last piece that sort of is kind of neat and ties into it in terms of their ministry down there. I think it's about three or four, maybe even more than that now, five years ago, uh, one of the missionaries was over in the States um, at the church that supports them. And a fellow behind him leaned over and says, could you use a coffee farm in Honduras? Um, and, you know, coffee in Honduras is kind of, you know, it's us and maple syrup, sort of. It's, you know, it is the agriculture throughout the, the entire country is based on, on coffee. And so a bit more detailed found out this fellow had lived in Honduras, had run a coffee farm as a businessman for a number of years, had to come back because I think his wife was sick and the farm was still essentially sitting and overgrown uh, there. And so he offered to donate it to the ministry. They went back and forth and eventually got to, came to agreement and they've taken on this coffee farm. Why take on a coffee farm as a mission organization? So they really have a couple purposes. One is their goal is to grow it and use it as a source of funds to support these pastors, both as pastors in their local communities and even be able to send people out to other communities in Honduras and maybe even eventually in South America to, to other places. So that if they can get the coffee farm up and going and creating funds, that allows them to essentially internally support them that that work so that's that's one of the goals second one is it gives them a place to bring for training and i'll that's part of what i'll show you here in a minute but they it's an opportunity to sort of have a centralized training center for for these pastors a place where they can bring them in give them you know have a proper place to cook uh, places to stay and sleep not only for pastors but even to support some of the other missionary work that goes on um, in honduras so it kind of gives a nice central base for a lot of that it's a beautiful spot it's up in the mountains of of honduras it's it's absolutely gorgeous overlooks a great one of the big lakes in honduras and uh, yeah it's just it's amazing so there's piles of opportunity and even to do um to have you know potential to bring people who are traveling through in there's a lot of backpackers and stuff and, and have an opportunity to witness there's there's lots of opportunities there but then also there's a community um and that sorry that is called blossom creek coffee farm there's a community that also is at the base of that. And that's where we've gone over now on a couple trips, but it's a neat opportunity. They all used to work on the farm. They got their fun, you know, they made their money by working on this farm years ago. When that went away, they, a lot of them lost that. They continue to go up and kind of collect coffee. A lot of them have their own mini farms. They collect some of the coffee that's not, hasn't been totally overgrown off this farm over the last number of years, but it's an opportunity to give, go into that community and give them support so that they actually have something to live off. And at the same time, bring the witness of God into, into that community. And it's sort of embedded almost right in the farm. The farm kind of almost surrounds it. Um, so it's a really neat opportunity there as well. So what's our goal as, as DBI missions with, with this? What are we trying to do? 
I say our, our goal is just to support them. We, we go down and we say, what, 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 can, what do you need from you know, us outsiders, us Canadians, to, to help you? Um, and so there's a, there's a few things. They've, they've suggested we're going to try and do one youth trip and one adult trip down there a year. Short-term mission, go down and, and help them. The, the adult trips are focused around a couple things. One is to just go down. So we, I was down in November mainly with a group from the States. This training center just needed bodies to go down and help, help them work on it. Um, so, you know, very hands-on, but at the same time spending a lot of time, and you'll see in the pictures, for every hour you spend hands-on building, you spend another hour uh, trying to chat through a translator or motions or whatever, if you don't speak Spanish, with, with the people around. So it's, it's both. And, and honestly, the relationship building is the important part of that. But we're there to, to help with the, the physical side as well, too. But what, what they've suggested we can really help with is, is taking people down to offer some skills. So the, these farmers collect coffee for you know, there's a couple times, but maybe total of three months a year, they have income coming in directly from the coffee. The rest of the year, they really have no income. They have some government support, but be very, if they can learn a skill, anyone, it suddenly gives them a, a way of making income. And it, you'd think, you know, what can we train them in? Almost anything, you know, sewing to electrical, to plumbing, to carpentry, anything where we can show them a skill gives them an income. And but what it also gives even more than that is while we're there and perhaps giving a little bit of training, it draws the people in and it allows the missionaries then to develop relationships with these people that they might not have another way of reaching out to and actually making that contact with. So it serves both purposes. It brings the people in and lets the missionaries develop these relationships that they can continue on with after we're gone. And it allows the local people and it's a witness to them by giving them, a, you know, uh, an opportunity to support themselves. And I, you know, I've asked the missionaries down there, I said, you know, is it that helpful? Is it better for us just to send you money and you can hire someone? And his comment I thought was really interesting. He said, a hug is better than a dollar. He said, coming down there, it's a relational community and coming down and actually them seeing people willing to come down and interact with them and say, we love you and see them. He said, is actually more valuable than sending a dollar so that we can, you know, train someone to get, or pay someone to give them a training center. So that's, that's one of the big opportunities that I'm hoping over the next, not just with Northgate, but over the next years, we'll have opportunities to go down and, and serve in, in that way. And then youth trips, we did the, we've done two so far. Um, there we go down and we do, we've done VBSs. The, the school in that Blossom Creek, which actually is gone because it got wiped out by one of the mudslides, but um, we went down and we, they literally turned the school over to us. We thought, you know, we'll have a two hours in the morning and then the kids will go back to school. They literally, for the week we were there, said, as much time as you want, spend doing VBS in the school. So that's just, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you can talk to Riley or Kendra or Jeremy, you've all been down there. The other one's Lauren, Dana, not yours. Uh, but they're, it's, it's just a really neat opportunity to do, to do that and reach the kids in the community. Um, and through that, again, it's not just reaching the kids, but it's, it draws in parents, it draws in the teachers, so that the missionaries there can follow up, because we leave after, after the week, but it's those opportunities that they have to continue. And then while we're down there, we do other stuff. We help put a roof on a church, help put a new toilet in, we built a swing set twice, they managed to wear it out in the first year, so we had to go back and fix it the second time. Um, but, you know, it's just those kinds of things while we're there. And then 
we spend time, the kids spend time witnessing, going and doing very, um, you know, helping clean up a house, someone's house, and then sharing a, a testimony with them, those kinds of things. Again, the goal is we always go out with the local pastors and local Christians because we're gone. This is really just building relationships there while we're there. Um, though the, I think the first year we were down, one of the groups had two or three people uh, just in that afternoon uh, commit to Christ. So you, you, just, you never know when that's exciting, but you don't always see that. It's, it's really about often the longer term. And I'll just add for myself, I have never come back from one of these trips not excited and encouraged and blessed. For me, it's often going down there and seeing the, the local Christians who, you know, their life is entirely different than mine. We have very little in common from, a, from just a day-to-day -day life perspective. But just the opportunity, and I can't even talk to a lot of them in, in a lot of depth. I have to go through a translator. But the opportunity to, to worship with them in church and chat and see God in them and to have the Holy, Holy Spirit in all of us together is an incredibly encouraging thing. And I, I, in some ways, I can't even explain why that is more so than I find, you know, and I certainly am encouraged by people here, but for some reason that being there, maybe it's because it's a bit different, but it, that is, I find is just incredible. It also puts things into perspective. You'll, you, you come back here and you look at a lot of our life and you say, wow, we got it good. Because... <laughs> um, They've got a pretty rough stop, and they're happy at the same time. I didn't mention farming. Farming's another one because it's Blossom Creek, and a lot of them are farmers, and farming's another skill that, uh, that we have uh, opportunities to take down, actually, and, and help them with in some ways. And then, you know, obviously to, to support them, to give um, for, and, and support them. And uh, Northgate, I'm, I'm very thankful, has decided to give towards this, and... Um, that's, that's amazing. So I have a few slides. Um, I'll get uh, Nazareth to put them up. And just to give you a bit more uh, feel for, for who these people are and, and you know, they're real. So there's three, there's three main missionary families that are part of the organization down there. There's a couple others that are sort of on the edges, but these are the three main ones. I wish I had more pictures are all about three years old, but uh, I don't have anything more that was their whole family. So this is David and Megan Guevara. They're sort of the main missionary that we have worked with and got to know well. Some of you might have, I don't know if anyone's met them. They have actually been in the area a couple times. Um, so they are great. Their oldest son, Andrew, Adriana, uh, I always forget, Caden, their younger son, and, and Selah. So that's them. Um, yeah, they're, they're a great couple. She grew up in South Africa, I believe, as a missionary. In Africa, anyways. I think it was South Africa. Um, he is uh, Honduran. Uh, spent some time in, in the States for uh, uh, seminary. But uh, that's, that's their family. And they are amazing uh, people. This is Harmon and Karina and their kids. And I saw one of their daughters is Karina. And I actually haven't got to know the rest of their family well. Again, it's about three or four years old, and I've been down there. Their kids are all off the university or traveling around, so I haven't met most of them. Again, really neat couple. Um, he was, he's military in Honduras, learned English there, has been back and forth to the States. Um, he, he supports much of his mission work by driving up to the States, buying cars that have been in accidents, and then taking them back down to Honduras and, and repairing them and uh, selling them back there. 
often using them while they're under repair to, to drive missionaries and uh, people around. So you're often in a missing a panel here or there, but uh, he's a, he is, he's a really neat guy. He can put his hand to almost anything and do it. He, he actually spends a lot of his time putting roofs on churches for, uh, for local churches that can't do it themselves, can't support it. So he sort of has a ministry just doing that. He doesn't take any money to do it. Um, Karina's wife, they, they've hosted something, I think she said 17 or 18 youth missions trips. Um, so she is, uh, she's an amazing cook, um, actually has a little mini restaurant. She, she cooks for the community, but uh, has learned English just from, from uh, all the groups being down there. And they're just, they're really, really, again, neat people. Um, he, he had, he's told me like he he lives on roughly fifty percent of what his um, you know supposed funding should be as a missionary. So one of our goals would be to uh, to help him out some more too, so he has some more regular funding. Um, next one. This is Isaïs or Isaiah and uh, Demaris or I guess Demaris. They're a young couple. He he is from. Uh, El Salvador, I believe, but now living in Honduras. Uh, she's a dentist, and you think, wow, that's good, but from talking to them, that a dentist salary won't support their family, um, and they would like to have kids. His goal is to get more involved. He's supposedly a wonderful teacher, and he would like to be really full-time in the pastor training, but really has no support right now at all. So he, he lives on odd jobs um, and that kind of thing, and when he can, we'll, uh, we'll work training pastors and in the ministry. So one of our goals as VBI is to get him some regular funding so that he can focus more on, on the mission side of things. He's got a degree in business. He's an administrator. Um, so he's, he's got some skills that would be very useful to the mission down there, um, but they need funds to, to support. Um, they have a young baby now, but uh, that, who I haven't met. Now some of the people, we, the guys that we've, uh, we've met and worked with. This is Marvin or uh, down there known as uh, Blanca or Whitey. Uh, everyone's known by a, a nickname, it seems. Uh, neat, kind of neat story. We were down there on the youth trip two years ago and met him. I didn't know his story at all at the time. He was helping out Harmon. Um, he gave his testimony when we were down there, when I was down there in November. He was involved in the church, you know, I guess would have considered himself a Christian, but just really kind of got sick of everything. He abandoned his family uh, a wife and I think two young kids, and basically went off. and I haven't heard it all, but I've been told lived a very, very rough life for the past several years. Harbin has remained in touch with him, kind of used him as a helper with doing roofs, and this would be a typical way of witnessing to people, right? Just pulling them in, talking to them. And uh, yeah, when we were down there this past, he just in the last week or so before I was down there in November, he sort of had completely come back and sort of decided that, you know. The way he was living, he, he couldn't do that and kind of completely renewed his faith. Um, amazing guy. Really, really fun. Always smile on his face. And back with his wife and kid, actually. And a lot of that is through both Harmon and through some of the other local Christians that, that are involved there with him. Um, so it just, you know, kind of an opportunity. And the kind of people that we have an opportunity to, to serve by, by supporting the missionaries down there. Guy on the left, Philip, was just one of the guys who came down on the trip on in November. The guy on the right, Jose, is a um, friend of, become a good friend of ours. Carrie and I met, well, he was the first mission trip we went down. He was sort of helping with, um, he's a local guy in the community there at Blossom Creek, a strong Christian and become almost a, 
a bit of a missionary to his, his local community. He's a local farmer. His family has farms uh, there. We, we spent, Carrie and I sort of got to know him almost accidentally somehow. I don't remember exactly. We, we ended up sitting with him. The rest of the group we were down with had gone off, and I think their car broke down. So we ended up for about three hours sitting here with him. We spoke English. He spoke Spanish. Um, and trying to figure out how to communicate. So eventually he went and got a phone from someone and so we started looking up words in the dictionary on the, on the phone and started talking back and forth. He, he loves to learn. He's actually become quite proficient in English since. So we're able to have some pretty good conversations. But he's just an amazing guy. And just one of these guys that by supporting the work down there, the goal is to support him really to be full-time in his community serving, having an income so he won't have to leave and go somewhere else just to make uh, a living. So. Yeah, young guy, 25-ish, but someone that uh, we would really hope to, can be a, a real witness in his community if we can uh, provide him with the income to, to stay there. Hoel. So again, actually on the left, Kivet, pastor of a church in the States that was down there. Really neat uh, group. Uh, they, they fully committed to, to missions, that church. Uh, there, David and Megan... Um, get most of their support and sort of are sent out of that church in North Carolina. So uh, they were down on this building trip. I'll talk about it a bit more in a minute. But the guy on the right is Hoel, um, Joel, I guess in English. Again, just kind of shows the opportunity. The, the, the couple that led the trip in November here, they've been down taking uh, youth trips down to, uh, to Honduras for, again, I forget what he said, 15 years or something like that. One of the trips about five or six years ago, they were working in the city where David and Megan live, and again, just take the off afternoons to go out and help people local in the community. And this guy's roof was leaking, so they said, well, we'll go over and help him fix the roof. When they got there, and, and David, the, the fellow who's down there, is a builder by trade, got to this guy's house, and it was falling apart. Literally, he said he was worried that he would make it through a, another month. Like, it was, it was literally falling apart. It turns out he was the local gangster, for, for lack of a better um, thing. He, he, he lived off theft. Um, his house was falling apart. They, his kids were drinking out of a, a hole, essentially, in the, on, in the ground, was their, uh, their water source, just literally on the edge of the road. Com you know, just complete sad life. Through the opportunity, David and, um, David and his wife and the, the youth group down there helped fix the house over a couple of years. They were able to witness to him, and he came to Christ. Sorry, I just, uh, he, is, he is now on fire. And I didn't get a chance to meet his, meet his family, but he is a, an amazing guy, um, serving just wherever he can. Um, again, just as with most of them, they make their income off whatever they can do. They don't necessarily have any great skills, but uh, willing to help wherever. And uh, again, just the, these are the opportunities we have uh, to, to help down there. Sure, the next one. Uh, Rohair um, and his wife, who I can't remember his name, Little guy is Kalor. The first trip we went down there about four years ago, he was just a brand new baby, just as chubby as his little sister, probably chubbier at that point. Um, and then her name's Kendra. Uh, so we got, again, he is an amazing young fellow. He's become almost a leader in the community, uh, essentially a missionary again to his, he, he lives there. His parents are the pastors of the local churches there. Um, but to some extent, he's, on, he does, he's taken over a lot of the work uh, sort of outreach from the church. One of the specific things that as we, as Northgate has given funds, we'll be supporting him 
a salary to work on the farm, which is not so much a salary to work on the farm, but again, it's an income so that he can live and act as a pastor while having that role on the, on the farm. And it also saves uh, David, um, the missionary, from having to drive back and forth because it's about a couple hours from his house up to the farm and back. So, so this is one of the fellows that we'll be specifically, our church will be specifically supporting over the next uh, little bit. Um, yeah, he looks young, but he, he's in his mid-20s. His wife is there too. And uh, yeah, just a, an, another neat, another neat uh, person down there, family we've gotten to, to know. All right. I thought I'd throw this one up. This is kind of unrelated to most of the rest of people, but I thought this might be interesting. This is the uh, cornfield. Uh, Carlos, who you'll see in another picture here, has always is, maintains and gets a bit of money by planting corn. Um, and that's just at the bottom of the farm. He plants his cornfield, and uh, you can see what that's like. Some of the farmers probably are wondering, but that's, that's the way they would grow their, their corn, and there's probably opportunities to help them get more out of that, but uh, that, that's their corn. This is Carlos. Oh, just get you back up there. This is Carlos. He is sort of a, a local elder in the community there, a Christian. Um, a wonderful guy, but like grade eight education, so can't, can't do a whole lot. Um, we'd love, they'd love to use him more on the farm, but he can't read or write. So it's a challenge for even to learn to, to take on a lot of the tasks, but can turn his hand to almost anything from, from local knowledge. Uh, one of the reasons I chose this picture is, well, there's a couple of reasons. You can see some coffee trees in the background. Those are four, four and a half years ago. We took the first youth trip down there. We planted that coffee um, and it's just coming up now. They're just starting to sell it. So that's the first income that, that they're actually starting to get off the coffee farm was this year off those trees. And since then they've planted some more. Um, you can see how steep it is. I'll never drink coffee the same again. It, plant, planting that and they pick it, has to be picked berry by berry on the, on the side of that, that mountain. And it's, uh, it's steep, and that's people, they wander around with the baskets on their back, a lot of them elderly, collecting the coffee, so it's, it's quite a job. I wanted to mention Riley, though. Riley is actually hoping to go down this summer as, as an intern down there, um, our daughter. So just to mention, you can be praying for her, and feel free to talk to her. She can give you a lot more information, but uh, that's another connection we have down there. Next to, I'll talk a little about this one and the next one, because they kind of tie into to some of the other work we're doing down there. This was when we were down there on the... Uh, building trip in November, you can see that where the, the, the ladies are all doing the cooking. So we have the team down there. There's roughly 12 people, I think, that were down. So they essentially take over one of the local ladies' houses. Flora, it's actually Carlos's wife, who you can see in the next picture. But she is, that's her kitchen. So that's her stove in the corner, her sink. That's the grand total of, of her kitchen. Um, so to, to, when these teams come down, David and Megan literally have to pack up their kitchen, move it up to um, the farm, in this case, so that they have a way of serving people for, for the week. And, you know, us with non-Honduran stomachs don't end up, uh, you know, with Honduran bugs while, while we're down there. It's a huge, I, I didn't really recognize the first time I was down there, but it's a huge process. They, they, like, they have to bring everything. You can see in the other picture from sto proper stoves to freezers to fridges. This all comes out of their house and gets carted up to wherever they're serving for the week. Um, all of the food, uh, the, the, the big stuff, you know, you're making, you need big dishes and, and stuff to serve it. So it's actually a very difficult process. Plus, we're taking over someone in the local community's house for, for the week. One of the goals, maybe jump to the next slide there, Nazareth, I think, yep. So this is the training center. 
So this is what we were working on building. When we went down, it was just a black frame and we managed to get the roof and the, the floor and start with some walls on uh, when we were down there. Um, but this is, this is the training center. So the training center is there to train pastors for sure. But one of the other big things that we'll provide is a, a kitchen that, that's sort of there that when things happen, they can work out of that will make life much, much easier for the, the missionaries ladies who, who don't have to then transport their kitchen back and forth each time something happens. So one of the projects that we're hoping to support is to help with funding the, uh, the kitchen part of that. The building itself is mainly funded by the church in the, in the States, but the kitchen is one piece that, that still needs some funding. And just to mention, if you're interested, there's actually a group going down mainly from the States again in first week of April. They're looking for uh, people willing to, well, basically do hands-on work, so help finish the walls out. Or in particular, they're looking for people who have ceramic tile experience and electricians and plumbers. So they'd like to get that part of that, that building done in, in that first week in April. So if you or you know anyone who you think would be interested, let me know. Uh, they're, they're actively planning that right now. Um, yeah, and that's just, this was the first time they, the building's not done, but uh, they're taking advantage of it already. And they had their first sort of barbecue lunch there with the, the community and some missionaries. Uh, so they're already using it. Uh, at least it's a roof over your head from the rain and so on. So uh, it's being used already. Wanted to share this just again, some of the other people you, you can see row hair there. This was on the trip, when we on the youth trip. After Mornings are usually VBS, the afternoons, the, the youth go out uh, and, and just help out and in different houses. Uh, the older, shorter lady there in the middle is Emma. Uh, and I forget exactly, I think they just helped clean up around their yard again. Again, it's just a chance to make contacts that the missionaries wouldn't normally have. That's why Rohair is there, so that he can always follow up after. Kind of neat story though, um, she wouldn't let them take her picture unless we promised to, give, to take it back to her and give it to her. Um, they obviously don't get, you know, just having a picture is a, is a big deal. So I had the opportunity when I went down in November, I actually didn't get a chance to see her. She's moved to another community, because, not a little distance away, but I was able to give it to someone give to her. So we were able to uh, give that picture to her and I got the word back that she was very excited. So uh, just kind of neat, just the little things that you do by, by being there. And, and I can't remember, is that it? Was there... Oh no, again, VBS, the kids we get to enjoy and uh, witness to. And it's hard to pick a picture. Um, we have piles of them and this one's somewhat sane. Some of them are more insane chasing kids around randomly and sliding down the hill on toboggans into the fence and on the grass and many other sort of fun activities, but that was the group you can see. Uh, yeah, so there's probably, I think there was what, 60 kids, I think at that school that we had a chance, maybe a bit more than that, had a chance to share with. So that's the opportunity, right? Those are the people we, we get to go down with. And, you know, I'm, it's so easy to, I think feel guilty. You, you sit in the seat or someone talks like this and you say, ah, it shouldn't be out of a sense of guilt. I think it's a sense of opportunity that we should have. And for all of us individually and different churches, it's different. Um, you know, everyone fits into this in a different way. All I would say is all of us should be thinking and involved somehow, whether that's prayer, giving, going, you know, supporting. So I would challenge us as a church to, to think that way. And, you know, I've mentioned we're hoping to do trips and so on, and I'll certainly let people know. And uh, I, I hope that uh, I pray that there's uh, this will lead perhaps to a, 
growth there and growth in our church as we uh, as we serve. So, uh, thank you. Maybe we'll just close off in prayer. Lord, it's uh, your passion is to to take to save the lost. Lord, you you said you want everyone to come to know you, and we. I just uh, yeah pray that as we have opportunity to to help in that that uh, you'll help us figure out where we fit Lord and uh, we that we'll see the blessing here as we as we help and that we'll see uh, see your word spread in this case in Honduras but really in any opportunity that we have to, to serve around the world and uh, just bring this to you and uh, ask for our church here in your name amen Thank you, Caleb. If you don't know Jesus, or Jesus isn't real to you, you don't want to share him. Pretty much that, that simple, right? And we don't want to leave this place without celebrating Jesus. And so just for the next five minutes, when you're so thankful for what God's done for you, you want to share it. And... I just know sometimes I get into such my own world of survival. I don't see Jesus. And I don't want to share him. But I want to tell you this morning that he loves you. He loves you. He came to this earth. He died for you to set you free, to heal your brokenness, to give you life. And as he does that, man, it's not a have to, it's a get to, to want to share and give in our local community and in the world. And it's no good to leave this place and think of missions without thinking about Jesus. Amen. Some people say, well, why do you celebrate communion each week? Because I have to be reminded of how great, how wonderful, and how much he loves me. And this morning, I know there's people coming into this place with burdens. And life isn't easy. But I want to tell you, I want to take just the next five minutes to remember the grace, the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we receive that, the outflow, do you see Caleb's joy? His burden, that's outflow of experiencing Christ. And yours might not be for Honduras, it might be for your neighbor, as he mentioned. But we have to start here and be reminded each week of how good he is. So we're going to do that. David's going to sing. Robert's going to hand out the elements or have some people to help him there. And I just want you to think this morning of who Jesus is and what he has done for you in the midst of no matter what your week is, no matter what has happened, no matter what's ahead, no matter the brokenness, see his love for you. 
and know as you believe in him, you are forgiven and you are a new creation in Christ. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I've been meditating on that. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And how much more for he who gave his son for you, will he not give you everything else that you need? Oh, yes. In seeing Jesus and what God has done in giving us Jesus, it shows us there's nothing you're dealing with that he can't handle. Because he's given you his son. There's nothing more that he will not withhold from you. Amen? Think on these things this morning. Lord Jesus, we give you praise. And if there's anyone in this room who hasn't accepted your love, hasn't received forgiveness, hasn't repented from the old way of thinking they can do it themselves, may this morning be the day of salvation. We just come to live in the truth, in the love, and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us in the busyness, the brokenness, the crazy world, may we turn back to you and see who we are. Lord, that you work all things together for good for those who love you. Just my theme this week, and maybe the theme, as we know that you're working good, you're going to work through us. This morning we focus on Jesus. We give you praise. We worship you. David's going to sing. Just meditate on Jesus and his goodness. And then we'll take the elements together. grace alone somehow I stand where even angels fear to tread invited by redeeming love before the throne of God above and he pulls me close with nail-scarred hands into his everlasting arms. When condemnation grips my heart and Satan tempts me to despair, I hear the voice that scatters fear. The great I am, the Lord is here. And oh, praise the one 
who fights for me and shields my soul eternally. And boldly I approach your throne. Blameless now I'm running home. And by your blood I come welcomed as your own into the arms of majesty behold the bright and risen sun more beauty than this world has known and i'm face to face with love himself his perfect spotless righteousness a thousand years and a thousand tongues are not enough to sing his praise and boldly i approach your throne Blameless now I'm running home And by your blood I come Welcomed as your own Into the arms of majesty And by your blood I come Welcomed as your own into the arms of majesty into the arms of majesty so thankful jesus We're so thankful this morning for your grace, for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you paid the price for all the junk in our life. There's nothing, there is nothing that we've done or will do that you did not pay for on the cross. We praise you, God. We thank you for your love that you sent Jesus, your son. Don't think we understand what kind of love that is sometimes. But you gave your child out of a loving heart to set us free. We just praise you this morning. We give you all glory. We worship you. We think of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, broken that we would be whole. Lord, would we truly know that this morning, no matter what we're going through, 
would we know that we are loved. Let's take the bread together. sat with your disciples and you took the cup. You said, remember me. Remember my blood shed for you, the new covenant. So we give you thanks this morning that we are justified by your blood as we believe in you just as if we had never sinned you've taken it away paid the price with your blood would you help us to know we're forgiven just have that deep sense in my heart someone this morning needs to know that they are forgiven you are forgiven as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are free. Let's remember together and take the juice. And I feel like I'm saying the midweek encouragement. <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye. <laughs>